0: We aren't always honest about how difficult normal human life is. For the majority of people, sorrow, despair, anxiety and mental illness are everyday experiences. While we have made tremendous advancements in therapy and psychiatry, the burden of living still comes down to mundane choices that we each must make, like the daily choice to get out of bed. In his new IVP America book on Getting Out of Bed, The Burden and Gift of Living, our guest today on the God's Story podcast, Alan Noble, considers the unique burden of everyday life in the modern world. Sometimes he writes, the choice to carry on amid great suffering, to simply get out of bed, is itself a powerful witness to the goodness of life and to God. Now I'm quoting there from his publicity. Whoever wrote that? It's beautiful. Says it all, doesn't it? Alan Noble is Associate Professor of English at Oklahoma Baptist University, co-founder and editor-in-chief of Christ and Pop Culture, and an advisor for the AND Campaign. He has written for The Atlantic, Vox, BuzzFeed, The Gospel Coalition, Christianity Today, and First Things. And Alan joins me now. Alan, hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Oh, we're excited to have you. This is a marvelous essay and something that we don't often think about or even read about or hear about in the in the modern world. You write that as a child, you thought that tragedies, that people who had tragedies were outliers, outliers. Uh, why did you think that?
1: Well, I think, you know, to some extent, I grew up around uh, people who were exceptional. Um, they suffered from addictions, from abuse, from uh, neglect. And to some extent, they were outliers. But what what I was mistaken about and what I came to learn as I grew older and grew closer to other adults was that other people have uh, other traumas, other sufferings that uh, I was not aware of. And I, th- I thought the people around me were outliers because it, it seemed to me that most adults lived fairly comfortable, cozy, comfortable, Uh, uh, content lives. And I didn't realize, I didn't really realize that behind the facade, there were traumas and again, sufferings and, and difficulties that I couldn't imagine as a young person, but I did come to imagine as I grew older.
0: Yeah. Are we afraid to vocalize suffering in the modern world, do you think? I mean, the modern world or the modern West, certainly where I am, doesn't really do suffering, does it? Or
1: not publicly, at least. Part of the challenge, I think, is that in a world governed by technique like our own, where we believe that we can just progress and make things better and better and better, suffering is a, a problem to be overcome, not a normal state of life uh, or a a, a a norm. I shouldn't say state as if we're always in a state of suffering, but a normal experience in life, um, something that all of us are going to experience at one point or another. And uh, so... I, I do think that we're afraid to vocalize our suffering uh, because uh, to to acknowledge our suffering is to acknowledge that we have failed in some way, that we have not progressed, we have not achieved, we have not found the right self-help book or the right uh, method or life coach to to fix our problems. Yes. Uh, well, all right, then.
0: Here's, a, here's the obvious question. Why is getting out of bed so difficult for all of us?
1: Hmm yeah well, so I write about this in my second book, uh, you are not your own belonging to God in an inhuman world, but I do think that this world, this in the West, our civilization is not designed for humans as God made us. It's designed under the uh under the idea that uh, that that humans belong to themselves. And uh because of that, um uh, because we belong to ourselves we have all these obligations and duties and burdens that we carry around day to day and they wear on us uh, the the analogy i like to give is uh the story of zucosis are you familiar with zucosis at all uh i probably am if i read your book <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good. Yes. Yeah, so just just briefly, zookosis is a psychosis that uh, captive animals have. They pace around in circles. Uh, I used to, I went to Baylor University and we had live bears on campus and we would see these bears. I would take my kids to visit the bears and they would be pacing in circles. They had gorgeous wonderful uh, accommodations much better than the graduate student housing that i had and yet they paced around in circles digging this little dirt hole because they were in a in an environment that was not designed for them and i think that's true of us as well i know a lot of students that pace around their student flats <laughs> looking frustrated in the spirit anyway uh, does
0: modern life entail suffering do you think
1: yes i mean suffering is is an inescapable part of human life whether it's modern life or medieval life or classical life, suffering is is just a normal part of human existence. We've always known this, but I think the modern world, what's different is we like to pretend it is not normal, that it's an aberration, when it's not. Why get out of bed at all then? What's the point? Yeah, that's the question at the heart of this book. So I give a few, a few answers. One is that despite our feelings of suffering, despite our experience of suffering, life is fundamentally good, that it's a beautiful and good thing, that we are created, sustained, and preserved by a loving God who intentionally designed us. That's part of the answer. Another part of the answer is that we bear witness to our existence are we, I should say we bear witness to the goodness of our existence merely by existing. So when we choose to get out of bed, people are watching us. Our children, our spouse, our friends, our family, our coworkers, strangers on the street are watching us. And when we choose to embrace life, what, we're, what we are tes- testifying to them is that this life is worth living. Even when it's very difficult, it's worth living
0: do we as a society and and I'm in New Zealand which is one of the highest youth suicide rates in the in the developed world I believe and we have a tremendous problem which is being discussed at the moment all over the media do we as a society know what we're doing particularly with regard to mental health
1: <laughs> yeah I don't I don't think we do we society thinks that it knows what it's doing but but the evidence is all around us that we don't. Youth suicides are up. They're up in the United States as well. Uh, attempted suicides are up. There's a mental health crisis on college campuses. People are suffering. They're tr- suffering tremendously. And, and I don't want to discount the great advances and uh, achievements that we've seen in mental health. Uh, it's good that we've seen a reduction in the stigma surrounding mental health, for example. But Clearly, there are still significant problems. And one of the problems, I think, is that that our language of mental health gives us the illusion that we have simple answers. And that's just simply not the case. For most, for most people who are suffering with a mental illness, for example, there aren't simple answers. There are complex answers. There's years of therapy and trying out one medication after the other and struggling and choosing to fight and advocate to get help. Yes, well, uh, indeed. Uh, how do we best live if we suffer from something like depression? For God. that's That sounds like a trite answer. For God, and but practically that means choosing to get out of bed each day and just do the next thing. Particularly when you have depression, there's a feeling of purposelessness, of meaninglessness to your life. And doing the next thing can be the one thing that you can do. In other words, you might not know where your life is going, and might not feel that your life is meaningful, but what you can do is say, I need to get up and feed my dog and take it for a walk. I need to get up and shower. I need to eat breakfast. I need to do the next thing. And so for myself, that's been a mantra that's helped me get through some very difficult periods.
0: Yes, you've had a lot of suffering in in your own life, haven't you? You write about it in the book. Do you, do you suffer from depression? May I ask you? I would say so. Yes. So do I. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I I had to talk to someone the other day. About rang me up and said, "I'm I've been diagnosed with depression." And I said, "Join the club, brother." Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no. Uh, there's no problem with it in in the sense that it doesn't carry the uh, stigma with it that it did once upon a time. Um, What are some of the things we should remember in times of suffering, do you think, when we're going through those black periods of depression, say, or having problems?
1: I think it's important to uh, have anchor points, uh, the memories, memories of good times, of joy, of pleasure, because when you get to... Uh, experience depression, you can feel like there won't be an end to it. And uh, there is. So I think that's important to remember. I think it's important to remember the goodness of the lives of others around us. It's easier to feel that that the lives of other people are meaningful even when, than it is sometimes to feel that your life is meaningful. Um, And so remembering that means that you have to choose to embrace life. Um, and that's the the third thing I would say is that we have to remember that whether we like it or not, we bear witness to the goodness of existence by choosing to live and move and 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 have our being in God each day. And that testifies to others.
0: Yes, you now you're right. Um, to live with a mental illness is to live in two different realities, the reality of your mental state and the reality of your embodiment in a community. Now I really like that. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, m- mental illness traps you in your head and you can get lost in your own mind, but you're always also embodied, which means that you have responsibilities to others. And uh, this is one of the delicate things in this book is that uh, I'm not letting us off the hook for our responsibilities. And uh, I'm not sure how that's going to land with readers, but I, I want to both be sympathetic to those who are suffering but also remind them that their suffering doesn't negate the fact that their kids need a meal that their spouse needs someone to talk to that their friend needs to call up and as you said share that they also have been diagnosed with depression right you still have to show up you still have to be there is it important to love ourselves do you think i do this is one of the things that i that i've learned only recently Uh, it's not something that comes natural to me. I think just my personal disposition is to to prefer to love others, but not myself. It seems egotistical to love myself, but I think that's deeply wrong. And the reason I say that is, if God loves us, certainly we cannot be wiser than God. (laughs) We we can't be wiser than God. We can't be more... uh, Pious than God, and if God chooses to love us, then we ought to have uh, that same love for ourselves. Mm. Yes, very good point. Um
0: how does living with mental illness require vigilance? I wonder well
1: part of the vigilance is uh, that you don't know what's coming. you don't know when it's going to flare up again, and so. You have to be cautious. You have to be aware of your weakness, your, your temptations, your challenges, the things that trigger you, and be ready to respond to those when they come. Yes, indeed, yes. Uh, how are our lives,
0: I wonder, witness to the value of our neighbor's lives? Because you write about that in, in
1: the book, don't you, too? Yeah, So, I mean, this is one of the ideas that I've come back to a few times already today, and that I think is, is tremendously important. Whether we like it or not, we are our brother's keeper. Whether we like it or not, people are watching us. When they see us face suffering and persevere, it inspires them to do the same when they are going through a difficult time. On the other hand, when they see us suffer and fold in on ourselves and give up and fail to get out of bed, it's going to inspire them to do the same. And so we have a responsibility to be present and to fight, to advocate for ourselves, to get the help that we need so that our neighbor can see us and be inspired to move on and press on for themselves.
0: Now, what do we do, Ellen, if we find ourselves in total despair? You reach the point where you simply physically just—I mean, I've had the experience with depression where you almost physically shut down. What, um, what, what happens? What, how, what do we do? This
1: is one of the, I think, blessings of belonging to the church is that uh, if you are in a healthy church, you should have a community. Because you have to depend upon a community. You have to have friends to turn to at that point. And this could be very difficult to do because the modern world teaches us to be self-reliant, to to just depend upon ourselves and to fix our own problems and to mind our own business. But you can't do that in life. You have to turn to the love and goodness of others And so it means reaching out and admitting weakness, admitting that you are suffering, admitting that you need someone to carry you. Uh, And it means being involved in a community where that kind of commitment to one another is real and uh, uh, tangible. So it means calling a friend and saying, I can't get out of bed this morning. I need your help. Yeah. Uh, How do we learn, easy enough to say, phone a
0: friend, but I think some of us certainly have problems trusting our trusting our medical professionals certainly and and maybe even trusting our friends sometimes how do we how do we get
1: over that that hurdle that stigma well frankly i don't think we have any other choice i think there are going to be times in your life where you are faced with the option of not getting out of bed or Trusting, taking a leap of faith. And uh, it's not easy to do, but you can be brought to a place where uh, you are so desperate that you choose to trust a friend. You choose to be vulnerable with your weaknesses, with your fears and anxieties and depressions and traumas. And um, there's a great beauty in the unburdening that can happen when you get to that point, I think.
0: Richard Baxter from, uh, I, th- I think it's the Reformed
1: pastor, is it? You quote from it in mm-hmm. your book. He
0: had a, this is 17th century Richard Baxter, the clergyman. He yeah. had a lot to write about mental illness, interestingly, didn't he? What, is, what are some of the wisdom he passes on to us? Well, uh,
1: he has this uh, great passage where he says that, um, you know, people who suffer from depression have to get to a point where they trust in the guidance of medical professionals, and friends when their minds are ill. I think that was challenging for me to 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 read because I was definitely brought up to, to think that um, to depend upon my own conscience and my own mind and uh, not to rely heavily upon other people. But Baxter reminds us that when your mind is ill, it is the help, the guidance, the wisdom of others that will help you persevere. And he says, just like you would, you know, when if you were physically ill, uh, you would trust yourself to the counsel of a doctor. When you have experienced a mental illness, you need to entrust yourself to the counsel of uh, both a medical professional and and a friend. You write uh,
0: that grace is at the heart of being. Mm. I like that. What do you
1: mean by that? Grace is at the heart of being. I think that that's the heart of existence itself is an act of grace. That creation itself is an act of grace. It's unnecessary, it's unearned, but it's beautiful and it's good. And I am bring this up to contrast it with suffering as the heart of existence. Uh, This is a heavy book, and I don't want people to get the impression that I think that life is only about suffering or at its core about suffering. That's not true. At its core, life is a gift, and it's a gift of grace, and existence itself is an act of grace by a loving God. It's gratuitous. It's unnecessary, but God did it for his good pleasure, and- We delight in it by embracing him.
0: You write also that we each participate in God's act of creation. Now, that's another part of the book that I found found particularly interesting. How do we
1: each participate in God's act of creation, do you think? Well, I think we do that by affirming that act of creation, right? So he, he made us, and here we are existing, but we can act in defiance of that existence. We can say, it's not all that great, God. I don't approve of this creation that you've made but when we rise out of bed each day what we're proclaiming and we enjoy the good creation that god has made what we're one of the things we're doing is we're saying i agree with you that it is good that it is a good creation
0: how is jesus the lord jesus christ how's how has he overcome suffering Mm, that's a great
1: question well i'd have to think about that i don't i i i'm not sure do i say in the book uh, I think you do. Otherwise, I wouldn't have noted it down. <laughs> you have
0: a particularly profound—you have a particularly profound section on on Jesus overcoming suffering, as I remember rightly. It, you may not have. I remember that I've simply written it down as a question. It's either a question that occurred to me as I was reading, or yeah. it's a question that I just wanted to ask you. I'm not quite sure which. <laughs> to, be, to be perfectly honest,
1: <laughs> no, it's I, a good I question to ask that. at the time. It is a good question. It is a good question. <laughs> I'm not sure what the
0: answer would be. I think he has, hasn't he? And He's certainly the model of suffering. He's certainly the model of suffering for us as, as yes. entering, our, entering our, our existence of suffering and overcoming it, even though he went through tremendous suffering to do it. Well, we better just about wrap it up, I think. I want to ask you as we close, why is life worth all the suffering?
1: Mm, because it's beautiful, because it's a beautiful gift. Given by a God who loves us and knows us personally and is caring for us moment by moment, second by second. It's a good life, even when it's hard. And I think that's the important thing to realize. It's a good life, even when it's hard. Mm. Can I ask you, just before we finish, mm.
0: what have you personally learned from suffering and through trials?
1: Oh, humility. Humility is the key, I think, because in suffering, You are thrown back on yourself and you're thrown back on friends and you're thrown back on God and you have to uh, accept that you are not sovereign, that you are not in charge, that you cannot control everything and that you are dependent upon others for, for your life and for the goodness of your life.
0: There we are. Alan Noble, Associate Professor of English at Oklahoma Baptist University. And the book from IVP America is called On Getting Out of Bed, The Burden and Gift of Living. You will find it profound. I th- found it a fascinating and profound read. It made me think. It challenged me. It's uh, it's one of those, I think it's one of the most wonderful things I've ever read, to be honest. And I'm not trying just to promote it, Alan. I'm just saying that honestly. (laughs) I honestly think it is. It's it's because I think it deals with it deals with an area that most people in the Christian world maybe don't want to think too closely about. Mm. And and I value it's honesty and it's raw honesty at times because it comes from heart, you know, it comes from your experience. So There we are. So Alan Noble, that's the book from IVP. And thanks too to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and who take care of things behind the scenes. Alan, bless you, brother. Thank you so much for your experience and your time. Thank you.
1: We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. If you want to help us make more great episodes like this one, you can head over to our Patreon page and become a God Story Podcast supporter. You'll receive our undying gratitude, plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support just visit patreon.com/godstorypodcast that's p a t r e o n.com/godstorypodcast as always you can get in touch with us via our website godstorypodcast.com